Hello, friends. This is Josie from Speaking in Church, the podcast you are currently listening to. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about my favorite current thing right now, which is Anchor. Anchor is a free podcasting platform. Um, It's the easiest way to make a podcast. This dummy, yours truly, set it up real quick. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, which, hello, talk about easy. You don't have to be some professional computer person, which is dope. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and literally wherever else you want to put it. Uh, You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, which, you know, some of us are just not going to get a million people listening, which is fine. Um, It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you want to make your own podcast about literally anything like the two of us, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast with me, Josie. And me, Spencer. And today, our very special guest is the amazing Rebecca Hugerworth, or, you know, Becca. Thank you. Thank you. Hold the applause, please. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, <laughs> Becca is a graduate of Azusa Pacific University. Um, we were roommates in college, and she was friends with Spencer in, um, you know, class. They had classes together. And she majored in youth ministry. Yeah, real uh, relevant major, everybody. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she worked as a youth pastor for a while, then decided to leave. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. The reasons she left and et cetera, et cetera. I'll let her tell her own story. But Becca, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Um, happy to have been in youth ministry while I was, um, but also happy to not be in it right now. <laughs> Dude, could you imagine being a youth pastor during COVID? That sounds terrible. It sounds like it would be like a lot of just uh, Zoom conversations with your youth kids and having to make a lot of videos. So I'm, yeah, very happy that I'm not doing that. <laughs> All right, Becca, so tell us, um, tell us your life story, your, your testimony, tell us your, um, what you're here for, I guess. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So I was born in San Jose, California, um, family of five. I'm the middle child. Um, and we grew up going to a very conservative evangelical church. Um, and I grew up with those beliefs for, um, quite some time, ultimately decided, well, I love my youth group. I don't have any other hobbies or interests. So I think I kind of want to do youth ministry. I really enjoy it. That's the best part of my week. And let's go ahead and pursue this degree. And so that's how I ended up uh, with my major and ultimately went through that degree and then got a job at the church I was interning at right after college um, and then just kind of went through it at that church. Yeah, you want to elaborate the what I went through? <laughs> yeah, and then tell us, just tell us a little bit more. Yeah, so I was really excited when I first got the job. Um, I just really enjoyed the kids. It was all about the kids for me from the beginning. I didn't really have any interest in being too involved with ministry with the adults because that's not what I was there for. I was there for the kids. 
Um, and right off the bat, it was really hard for me. I had a really hard time adjusting to life after college and just figuring out like what it looks like to be an adult and establish my own routine. And I also had a job while I was the youth pastor as just like a part-time employee at this trampoline park uh, because my church did not pay me enough to live. So, uh, so I was, yeah, just trying to be the independent woman that I am. And it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be after graduating. Um, and then just, yeah, slow struggle adjusting to the position, but really enjoyed it. Um, had like a whole week long trip right after almost, I think like two months into my job, I took a whole group of kids up to San Francisco for a week for a, it was like a, a missions trip kind of, and we had to like show the kids like homelessness in San Francisco and it was hard because the kids had never been exposed to anything like that um and they were just a very different group of kids than what the program had seen before in the past and so I think the program had a hard time handling the kids and I had a hard time handling them because I uh, was new to my job Um, (laughs) anyways flash forward a couple more months um and that would be probably about like, yeah. So less than a year after I started the position, I just had like one of the most horrifying experiences of my life. I guess horrifying is a dramatic word to use, but it was traumatic. Um, so I had sent out like at the end of the year, um, I was hired in June, but had been an intern there for a year before that. And then in December, I had to send out an email to the whole church updating everyone on how things in the youth group are going. And so I talked a lot about like the trip and how like our youth group nights were going and just a little bit about how the youth group acted with each other and with me and she said like, yeah, we're like a little family. Like we have our struggles, but we're hanging in there. We're doing okay. And that was about it. And just some context of the youth group as well. These are like primarily Hispanic kids from the Azusa community. Uh, Not a lot of, there were no white kids in the group, but the church itself was white. So like there was not really a connection between like the kids in my youth group and the adults that went on Sundays. It was very disconnected right from when I took over. Um, But there was a parent in the church who had a kid who was a, he was a senior in high school at the time but he had stopped going to youth group over the summer. So I just thought, oh, he must be just going to his own. Like he was still meeting with one of the old youth leaders. So I didn't put any effort into like getting to know him because I just didn't see that as an appropriate role for me. (laughs) So sure enough, I just didn't think much of it. And then one day on Sunday morning in January, I walk in, it's a small church. They do a whole free breakfast on Sunday mornings. I'm toasting a bagel. This man comes up to me and he's like, hey, like, I just want to know, like, how's the youth group doing? And I'm like, oh, you know, it's going well. Yeah, feeling good about it. All this stuff. Like, wow, this man's never talked to me before. Suddenly he's interested in how this is going. And he asks about his son, like, how's your, how's my son doing? And I was like, oh, no, I haven't really seen him. I don't really have his number. So I don't really have a way to get in contact with him. Um, So I don't know, but he hasn't been going, but I think he seems to be doing okay. And then suddenly, like, he just starts grilling into me and he's just like, well, I just, I read your email that you sent out and I just want to say how 
dare you say that the youth group is a family when my son's not included in that group? And how dare you try and make it seem like this group is something that it's not all this stuff. And he's going off for a while. And then, uh, I apologize and I'm like, hey, I'm like, sorry, you feel that way. You're absolutely right. What can I do to make this better? And I'll never forget what he said because he said, I think you should step down from your position. I think you should leave because you're not qualified to be in it. And I was like, this young female youth pastor already intimidated by my job. And then I had this older respected man in the church tell me that I'm not qualified to be in the position that I'm in and I just was horrified and this was in front of a ton of people there were all these other people that knew this conversation was happening and no one came to my defense no one stopped him no one intervened and I just felt so helpless and so like attacked and like defenseless and so I just like left the room and I just started bawling. Like I was just like, I was already telling myself that I wasn't qualified for the job. I didn't need this man to tell me that I wasn't. Um, and that was, I think the beginning of the end for me. <laughs> so yeah, so the, after that, I just, um, I, I really, I just didn't enjoy being in the church anymore. And I only enjoyed being around my kids. I didn't want to go on Sundays. I felt so unsupported and all of that and then the second thing that really pushed me away from the church involvement was a few months after that um, and by that point I had decreased my hours at the church and got promoted at my trampoline park job because I was like yeah that sounds ideal I don't want to be going to Sunday mornings anymore I need the money that this other job would give me because I would make more there than I do at this job I have a degree for and yeah and then the this other Wednesday night happens where we play hide and seek and one of my kids goes on the roof which if you see how this church is laid out it makes sense like <laughs> the roof is right there is very easy to get on and it's just a like it's a one-story roof so it's not like that bad of a fall right but he doesn't even fall like it's fine um and I'm like helping out with some other kid in another room in the youth group. And suddenly like I hear silence except for like one voice that's yelling. And I'm like, who is that? And I go back into the main room and one of the old men from my church was yelling at uh, my kid for going on the roof. And I was like, I was scared because I'm already scared of the old men at my church. And the kids are terrified because they don't know these people. And I just, I, I was, I had no words. I didn't know what to say. Um, and so ultimately I brought it to my boss's attention. Like after that, well, she brought it to me. I don't even know. I don't remember, but I just remember feeling so upset after that because this man had cussed out one of my students. And I was like thinking that when my boss brought it up that we would be talking about like how he needed to apologize to the kid and how we needed to take care of the kid because uh, he was it was scary it was scary for my kids and I just wanted to protect them in that way like emotionally and the conversation that she brought up with me was that I needed to tell my kids not to go on the roof because if they fall 
not that they would get hurt, but if they fall and got hurt, that it would be a liability financially for the church. And that's when I realized like this church doesn't care about like the lives of these students. They care about this building more than, and the money that they have more than they care about the lives of my kids. And it just, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and so I'm not going to talk about like the struggles I had with the kids individually. That's a whole separate storyline of my experience as a youth minister, um, which is a lot more fun to talk about because there's so much love that follows the conflict with the kids. Uh, but there is no love that followed the conflicts I had with the adults and they were ultimately the ones I was working for and the ones I represented. And I didn't want to represent that. I wanted to represent my kids and how much I loved them. Um, and so just over time after uh, slowly just being more and more frustrated with what I experienced um, in that job, I just started working there less and less and got another promotion um, at my trampoline job. So I just, I only cared about the kids the whole time and finally got to a point where I just wasn't happy with my life. And I knew I wasn't giving the kids the effort that they deserved. And I knew the church was running out of money and having all these other problems within their own self. And I didn't know how to describe like the church conflict to my youth kids as the reason why I was leaving because how, how they, they don't understand like the church dynamic. They only understand their youth group dynamic. And so I was kind of like, how am I going to explain to these kids like that I need to step down from this position because of church conflicts that they don't even realize I'm tied to. And so that in combination with just not being happy with my life outside of church, I was like, maybe the way to solve all my problems is to move. <laughs> so yeah, so October, not October, no, about a year ago, like uh, December of last year, I moved to Bellingham, Washington. And when I first moved, I told myself, I'm not going to go to a church. I'm not going to get involved in that. I'm going to just take time to have no ties for the first time in my life to any sort of religious affiliation. And I'm just going to be myself. And I'm not going to, for the first time in my life, have anything to do with a church or religion. But I still recognize, like, I still believe in God. I still have this faith. But I just was like, I need it to look different because it hasn't worked for me up to this point. And it's been an awesome year because by like separating myself from that environment, I've been able to give myself the space to really think about like what it looks like to be a Christian, but not a Christian. And how can I like be myself and express my faith in ways that um, are not the ways that I've been taught. And it's been awesome. I feel like I've just rebuilt my faith in new ways. And I've like found myself just wanting to be more involved in the same things I was in the past, but in a different way. And it's weird and I'm trying to like work through what that looks like. And I feel like I have the confidence to speak up for myself that I didn't have when that man yelled at me while I was toasting my bagel. And I now know that I know how to use my voice to express what I believe and what my perspective is without being afraid that I'm hurting someone else's feelings. And it took moving across the country to realize like the voice that I could have in that sort of environment and how to speak up for like the kids that I wish I would have spoken up for more instead of um, just standing next to, I should have really stepped forward. And I just think about that a lot and 
yeah, but I loved those kids and I would love to love kids like that in the future. And it's made me realize that someday I would hope to be involved in that context again, because at the end of the day, I do feel like it was all worth it. All the bullshit was worth it. And I'm excited to kind of see where I end up someday, but right now I'm happy to not be in it. So (laughs) that's, I guess that's the summary there. I feel like this is such a common story that I hear from people that I know that go into youth ministry. I just had a friend recently who like was completely burnt out. Like, and I mean, he was getting paid well because he was in St. Clemente or whatever, but he, I mean, they just took advantage of literally all of his time, especially once COVID hit. God damn. He was working like seven days a week, not a million hours a week, who knows how many. And eventually he was just like, I can't be at this church. Well, one, because they didn't hold the same beliefs, but also like there's a, such a lack of respect. I don't know. Like, what do people think youth pastors are like just little assholes running around doing whatever? Like, like it's not a real job. Um, all that to say, Becca, how do you think that churches can better support their youth pastors? <laughs> Yeah, I think that they should realize that their youth pastors are there to be the youth pastor and not to be um, the the bitch. (laughs) I think a lot. Yeah, youth pastors get taken advantage of all the time. And I think I also have my here's a hot take about youth pastors. I don't think you should be a youth pastor if you're just trying to use that as a boost on your resume. I think if you're not truly passionate about being there for the youth then you're at the wrong job there's other ways to boost your resume I guess I just can you say that louder please louder for the people in the back (laughs) don't go into youth ministry if you feel called to a different ministry (laughs) a freaking man a freaking man um yeah but a lot of a lot of times like I would get like assigned tasks where I was like why am I the one that's doing this why am I having to be involved in areas of the church that are not the youth ministry because you're not going to get me to be passionate about serving communion you're not going to get me to be passionate about setting up an easter event for five kids that might come on sunday like that's not my job my job is to like be there for my kids and if i can't be there for them because i'm too busy doing some potluck organization for your elders then you're wasting your money on me (laughs) like uh, there's other things for me to do and I another issue I have with like a big issue I had with the church is just like churches in general like where their money goes shows their priorities and we spent thousands of dollars on a new parking lot at a church where there's 50 people that attend And meanwhile, there was zero of the um, money that the church had went towards the youth group. Instead, I was told that any money that we wanted for our youth group, I had to fundraise myself. And I was kind of like, what? Like, this is a this is bigger than your Sunday morning congregation. And we're getting zero dollars in our budget. That's messed up. And I had to put in extra work so that I could have money to feed my kids who didn't eat that day. (laughs) Like. It was, it was unbelievable. I just, it, their priorities were just so out of whack and just to have them upset with my kid because they would have to spend money if he fell off the roof and hurt himself rather than 
hurting himself, hurting himself physically because he's emotionally distraught now like or yeah or hurting himself from falling like it was just like I I just couldn't believe it they they just their priorities were all out of whack um but I did not answer your question um how can people better support youth <laughs> pastors um by by letting youth pastors be themselves and not putting them in a role that they didn't sign up for or by expecting them to be someone that they're not because I think I I was worse at my job because I thought I had to fit this mold of what I thought a youth pastor should be where I was a better youth pastor when I was just myself um but I just didn't feel comfortable being that in front of the church because I didn't feel like they would support me if I showed the real me isn't it sad that it's a hot take of you shouldn't go into youth ministry if you don't want to be a youth minister like (laughs) I think that's something that is never talked about in the church because so many people like, it's almost like the story of like you, if you, you know, not every pastor goes and gets a degree, like that's whatever, but it's like this stepping stone of you started in the youth group, like you were a volunteer and then you became a small group leader and then you became the youth pastor and then you moved on and then you started doing adult ministry. Like that's so wrong. Like kids are not a stepping stone, like especially that age like they deserve every they deserve one they deserve somebody that has has an education whether it be in ministry in adolescent development like i i strongly believe they deserve that and two they deserve all of your time and all of your priority they don't need somebody that's like dang i hope i'm only in this ministry role for like six more months because i want to get promoted you know i want to be a campus pastor or i want to be a preaching on sundays like no, that's so wrong. If your heart and your soul isn't in those kids and like, you should not be there. Yeah, I am. And our kids, I was a youth group leader under (laughs) Becca. It was really a triple threat partnership there with a shout out to Gabe. Uh, And then Blakely for a little while. Yeah, Blakely. Blakely. (laughs) College friends, everybody. We all went to APM. Um, And it was just, our kids were, they were very special and they required a very special amount of attention uh, because in Azusa, if you don't go to Azusa Pacific University, you, um, the areas of like a lower uh, socioeconomic status than a lot of people were used to. And a lot of what we did was like taking these kids out to eat or, and out of our own pockets too. We didn't necessarily have a budget for that all the time or figuring out how we're going to get these kids to winter camp or. (laughs) I forgot about that. Like we had so many fundraisers, like a bake sales and art shows. And these kids were not helping us. We did this all ourselves, which again is fine. Cause they're fucking kids. Right. And like, you can't force them. They don't know what we're doing. And we had like, they, these weren't kids that you could be like, Jesus loves you and be super spiritual. You kind of had to like meet them exactly where they are in the sense of like teaching them basic morality first and then add a little sprinkle of Bible on yeah, there. Yeah, teaching them, taking them to restaurants and teaching them how to order food and how to say please and thank you. Mm-hmm. And like, just like basic life skills that they just, they just weren't used to. They, they never ate at restaurants. Like they were like, wow, we're going to Denny's? Like, woo! And it was just cute. Like they were fun to raise, but it was a lot of work. What you made me think of was just the amount of work it took because uh, the kids couldn't get to church on their own. We had to we had to drive them to and from church every single Wednesday, and we were only four leaders. And at one point, like we couldn't even fit them all each in our own car, so we had to do like multiple trips 
and then there was like one t- at one point a kid lived like 30 minutes away you're yeah. just like you're driving all right who wants to get Ethan today <laughs> and it was never a question of whether this kid was going to come to youth group right it was just like fuck we have to go get him like just a level sense of like okay we got to do what we got to do because this kid this is like the only wholesome interaction because mind you I mean, Ethan was special. He, like, was stealing cars and... Which... <laughs> uh, we had special kind of kids. But even still, we had no support from this church. But that's not, like, just because these kids were considered, quote-unquote, bad kids. It's because youth groups hardly ever get any support from any church. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I would just say, in general, just everything that I was taught in my degree did not apply to my youth group. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, all right, like policies. Yeah. We don't have those. <laughs> um, just show up and cause chaos. <laughs> hope the best. I want to, so I want to get back to, so let's talk about this parent for a second, because <laughs> I, the youth group I grew up in had tons of kids, like anywhere between from the time I, I started going to that youth group in sixth grade all the way till I like graduated high school throughout that whole time there is anywhere between on Wednesday night probably anywhere between 30 and 80 kids like sixth grade to 12th grade and then on Sunday nights when we do like high school bible study there is always anywhere between 10 to about 25 kids and you know tons of kids just would not come you know they'd go to church on Sunday mornings with their parents some of them even pastors kids they just wouldn't come to youth group And I don't know, from my personal experience, I know some, sometimes parents were like, oh my gosh, my kid doesn't want to go. But also at the same time, like there's parents that just understand, like, you know what, sometimes kids need to make their own choices. And it is not, again, I think exactly what you said, like, yeah, like you weren't necessarily like reaching out sometimes, but also like you're in this weird place, like as a woman in ministry, like there's so many people just are so harping on gender roles that if you started texting this senior aged boy in high school, like, how come you're not at youth group? Like, that's a little weird. People would be like, oh my gosh, that's weird. And so like, there's a responsibility of like, if the parents really want them to go to youth group, like you can either, you have two choices. You can either make them go, which I think is kind of a shitty thing. You shouldn't make your kid go. Or you have an honest conversation of why don't you want to go? What could make it better? Because instead of yelling at you, if they had a conversation with their kid and they're like, hey, my kid said X, Y, and Z, do you think we could work on this? I feel like you'd be much more receptive to that than just you're shitty and you aren't qualified for this job, even though you are, because I sat in those classes with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, and it was so frustrating too, because I was like so overwhelmed already with like, the students I had actually showing up on Wednesdays and it was like I had my hands full I didn't have time to pay attention to who wasn't there because I was giving my attention to who was there and who was there were absolutely exhausting to me (laughs) and I like it was like that in combination with just adjusting to post-grad life which I'm sure is an experience we've all I mean it was a depressing time and I didn't know how to like even just carry myself in the world, much less in this role that I was very intimidated by, but also very excited by. And just the thought of like having to, like it just never even crossed my mind that that was like a shortcoming that I had. And so I was just speaking like what I knew, which was very jumbled because I was just a mess in my daily life because I 
yeah, I wasn't being supported. And so I was trying to support myself and I, I ended, I didn't have, I don't think I had a therapist at that time yet either. And so it was just like all these things and just having to like get to a point where I could finally like be like, wait a second, like that was messed up. (laughs) I'm not the problem, (laughs) but it took a lot of, it took a lot of work. Um, It's a big growing experience for sure. (laughs) Well, and I think that's something else to highlight too of one youth pastors in general need to be supported But two, so often youth pastors are like fresh out of college, like exactly what you said of we're dealing with our own, like trying to figure out like, okay, like I'm a, I'm a real adult now. Like I'm like out of school. I'm trying to figure out who my friends are. I'm trying to navigate my own faith. And now I'm a youth pastor in charge of teenagers. Like that's so hard. And I think so many people overlook that exactly what you said of. Not even just being supported as a pastor, but not supported in where you were on your own personal, spiritual, and mental journey. Like, that's so hard. And people, I think people forget that so often. Honestly, if any new pastor, yeah, like, post-grad is super hard. But anytime somebody, you know, some people go back to school later in life and decide to become a pastor, yet they have no support of, like, I'm a brand new pastor. What am I supposed to do here, you know? Yeah, I think a unique, I don't know if, I mean, it's not unique, but it felt unique to me at the time. Just also being a single person in ministry yes, is, yes, yes. is like one of the hardest things. Cause, and I felt so it was, it sucked because every pastor before me at that church had either a fiance, serious girlfriend that eventually they did marry or like wife or husband. Uh, I guess it was always a wife because they were all men before me, um, <laughs> but like, like, I don't know. That's another thing where like, I was like, okay, like I'm the only like single person working here like and just in general one of my issues with churches is there's there's a big gap between like once you're out of college and once you're not married churches don't really take care of the single people in between those phases and it sucks and I like don't I don't know what churches could do but they there's it's non-existent from my experience or it's very rare to find a church that's doing anything for people that are single and 25 years old so the church I grew up in, they had like, so there was youth ministry uh, that kind of bled into college ministry, young adults, you know, there was like this weird gray line just because there wasn't a ton until once I graduated, then all of a sudden there was a lot more, but yeah, so there's this weird gray line of like college. And then they had a bunch of like married small groups. And then there was one singles group. And let me tell you that singles group, everybody ended up getting married except for like two people. So it just turned into a marriage group. Like, Yeah. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a, a big bummer about being single because <laughs> it's like, like, and I, I don't know. I mean, I've been single my whole life, so I'm like used to it, but it's hard because there's like part of me, like I am more in the same place of life as like my married friends, but I also, my issues are not marriage related. And so I don't relate to them. I don't understand them on that, but like, I'm a working girl. I'm not going to school anymore. I'm not as passionately driven about my future plans <laughs> like <laughs> like college students are like yeah I'd homework after this I'm happy I got my homework done just I need prayer for this test that's coming up and I'm like I haven't thought about a test in years <laughs> like I like I don't relate to that but I'm also like more figuring out my place in this world and more like independent like a college student and so it's like another weird thing but that was hard in ministry because it was like I think in the past like the pastors before me had support from their significant other and I didn't have that support and I think the church 
fail to support me because they didn't experience that issue with the previous pastors because all of them had their support at home. And I didn't have that because I lived by myself. (laughs) I think that's another good thing to highlight though, because so often the, especially in youth ministry, the pastor's wife, husband, Mm -hmm. boyfriend, fiance, like, dude, they are used up so quickly. Like, like it's, they're just, they're voluntold 99% of the time of, oh, we're going to have this event and I need you there. Oh, your significant other's coming too, right? And you're in this awkward place where you're just like, no, they're not coming. Or you're like, but you feel pressured of like, no, they have to. And so exactly what you said of, because you're single, one, you don't have that outside support, but then two, I'm sure there's also this level of like, oh, like you don't have a built-in volunteer. So yeah, well, you're like, like lacking that. That's another weird thing with like the dad who had that son. It's like, if I would have had a, like a husband, the husband would have been the one that would have been reaching out to your son. I don't have that. I felt like I had to be like two people at once at this job because they've always had a couple in the role. And so it's like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm not married. Like <laughs> you hired me, you know, like, but like, I, and I'm sure like there's other people that could talk about what it's like to be a married person in that role, but that's not my experience. But yeah, I think it was just, it was hard. Cause it was like, they expected me to fulfill the role of a husband I didn't have. And it was at this impossible. I'm one person. <laughs> well, even if you're married, like my friend who just quit his job in San Clemente, he was married with a baby and they still expected all of his time like you don't get a you don't necessarily get a break even if you are married there's no compromise anywhere yeah and I mean I mean we we mentioned Becca and I both got ministry degrees and that's something of discerning of if I want to go into ministry full-time like looking into that and Jack and I have had to have conversations of like like me laying it out of like you don't understand like if I work in ministry like there's this unspoken rule that not only are you going to be in the pew every Sunday, but like if I'm doing youth ministry or kids ministry, like you're going to be in Bible studies on Sunday mornings with these little kids. You're going to go to youth group. Like you're going to go to parents night. Like you're going to do all this stuff. And like, it's like this unspoken thing of like, yeah, I am going to be firm in boundaries of like, you're hiring me. You're not hiring my husband. I need you to know that. But at the same time, there's that only goes so far because of just the way church culture is of like, if he's not involved in some way, then I, I'm looked down on one as a, as a pastor. And then two, our marriage is looked down on. People are like, Oh, like they're not equally yoked or they're not doing this together. And like, look, my husband freaking loves kids and he'll be at youth group or he'll be at preschool doing Sundays. Like he'll do that because he loves kids. But if for whatever reason, he's like, I just need to take a step away. Like I want him to have the freedom to do that without feeling guilty. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think a lot of spouses or significant others in ministry don't have that freedom because of the church culture Mm -hmm. yeah yeah my husband uh, I'm just a secretary administrative assistant church manager boss of the world I've seen him moving pews yeah he uh he gets pulled into things a lot (laughs) and I mean luckily I don't really ask a lot of him since I am the boss I make up all the rules but it is like kind of an expectation of he has to be there and we're not even like into being married like we're not like mr and mrs or you know you're gonna call me out like that huh (laughs) well i'm calling all you bitches out out there (laughs) um or like if i bitch about how we are at home i'm like 
this roommate of mine is an asshole. I don't know where to put things. I just broke a glass thing today and I was talking about it. I was like, you know what it's like living with a man. They never know where to strategically put anything. <laughs> um, Afraid for your life when you open the cabinet? Oh, God. Don't even get me started. <laughs> men. Male roommates. Get it together. Um, I do not speak for the opinions of this podcast. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah yeah being single in ministry is it's different um and it's also weird to date when you're a pastor <laughs> i'll say that too it was always weird to be like oh if people are like you're on like the dating apps you're like they're like oh what do you do you're like a oh, youth pastor it's like you you have to uh, immediately address your religious beliefs like i'm not ready to i want to wait yes. un- until a later date i don't want to dive right into this right now and i'm clearly yes. i I, the question I would always get is, oh, are you religious? And I'm like, well, damn, I, 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 guess, I guess to some extent. <laughs> and then you have I, to like be like, well, well, like, but not like that. <laughs> I literally, um, I literally just had this conversation with my friend. She'll be on the podcast for a later episode, but she is a woman in ministry. She is a pastor. And we just had a conversation about, you know, she's in the online dating world or whatever. And I, I told her, I was like, dude, I can only imagine because I was only an intern and it was already hard to, when people are like, what do you do for a living? And then I'm like, I'm an intern at a mega church. And they're like, what the hell? And I'm like, you have to like, one, you have to talk about your theological beliefs, which can be a good thing. Like you want somebody that believes similarly, that's fine. But number two, being a woman in ministry, you have to have that freaking hard conversation, like straight up of you're opening yourself to men to be like, women can't be pastors. And I'm like, dude, I came on here to have pizza with you, not to know that you don't affirm me as a woman, like no way. And God, that's so hard. Exactly what you said of you have to like pour out your soul on Tinder before you can even, before you can even get a free meal out of it. Like, come on now. It's seriously, it's such a difficult balance. Yeah, like that reminds me. It was just like a, a toss-up between like, okay, do I want this person? Like if they say they're Christian, I'm like, well, I probably don't want to match with them because they're Christian. They're saying it. But then you're like, you don't want to match with the person that isn't Christian because then they're not going to understand me or my beliefs. And you're like, gosh, is there anyone out there that's in the middle? Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, okay, so it's like this weird thing that if they're pu- if they're publicly putting like, they're a Christian or a Bible verse on their like Tinder or their hinge, I automatically assume that they don't believe women can be pastors. I don't know why, but I automatically assume that. And then, yeah, you're caught in this rock in a hard place of, I'm like, okay, like they, like, I want to match with them because they know Jesus. But at the same time, I know we're not going to get along. So then you start matching with these other people and you're playing this game of like, okay, how much do I get to know them before they dump on me that they think like being a Christian is stupid. So yeah. like, okay, this is fine. I feel like Becca, you'd have to put in your bio just like immediately like progressive youth pastor. <laughs> I won't guilt you into loving Jesus, but you, you got to like the guy. That's like the perfect one. No, no, <laughs> no. Like- I am I am now off all dating apps because now my experience in Washington in, is very different than my experience in California. Um, also, the people in California suck too on dating apps, but in a different way. <laughs> but in, in Washington, if someone's like a Christian, it's like they're like, they're like the tree Christian. You know what I mean? Like they're crunchy. They're, they're, they're doing their client at the climbing gym uh, five days a week. Yeah, I just like see God in nature. Like it's just, I just can't like I can't be a cheesy Christian. Like I'm gonna laugh at you nine out of ten times. Like, you tell me some stupid, uh, sh- and it, like I just can't do it. Like I I la- I'm gonna laugh at them, and I just like 
I'll probably like laugh as I'm like saying something I seriously believe about like my faith but I just I'll be like okay can I get really cheesy for a second Mm -hmm. but like I just like but I know that that's still what I believe is still part of me but I keep a lot of it very private and so it's very hard for me to like meet people that I actually am interested in or connect to because there's I I don't know it's hard because they're all so cheesy, all these Christians. Having <laughs> having worked at a Christian summer camp in Seattle, Washington, that's 100% true. They all like, first of all, um, why did I start wearing Chacos? Because I started working at a cheesy Christian summer camp in Washington. And they all go backpacking every weekend. Yep. And they all go slacklining. <laughs> And they, they also like, they think they're like these like progressive Christians because they go to breweries. And so they're like, they're like, yeah, like, I just wish I could crack open a beer with Jesus, you know? And you're like, you know what? Yeah, me too. But I'm not going to say it out loud. God. (laughs) Also, also they think because they're going to go talk theology, like, which, okay, listen, our church does theology at breweries or whatever, but here's the thing. Like if I went out with some of these kids I worked at Christian camp with, if we went to a brewery and I was like, dude, isn't it crazy how Jesus loves gay people exactly how they are? They'd be like, what are you talking about? You had too much to drink. Dare you. <laughs> you, also- you Jezebel, you whore. <laughs> also exactly what you said of like, it's like, it's this weird, like, I think of, uh, what's that? What's his name? Judah Smith. His church is based right outside of Seattle and like all of them would go to that church and they'd be like, oh my God, like we're so woke. And Justin Bieber goes there and I'm like, what is happening right now? Like what? <laughs> While I would drive like 45 minutes to an hour away from the summer camp to go to a church that was open and affirming, like secretly, like I wouldn't tell anybody that's the church <laughs> I was going to. And I would be like, hey guys. And they're like, where'd you go to church? And I'm like, oh, nothing, just this small little church. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's funny how like when you're a youth group leader and you're act- an actual progressive, all these things like don't phase you. Like when we were talking about modesty in a recent episode, we were just like, we didn't have a dress code in our youth group. Oh, that's because I was not going to allow it. Yeah, I was not going to allow a dress code at my youth group because one, it traumatized me in my experience growing up and two, the kids wouldn't have listened to me anyways, whether it if I tried the only time I would have I mean we didn't go to a summer camp so it really only mattered like winter camp you would say yeah you guys have a dress code but But I remember time for myself it took me a long time to wear leggings to church um I do it now because I don't give a shit but like it just took a long time to like erase that like guilt from my mind that like was grilled into me in youth group and um Hume Lake Christian camps I'm sorry you can mute that um (laughs) now we call all these bitches out we don't care so yeah so now I wear like I just remember like finally being like you know what I can wear leggings to church you know what I can wear shorts to church and you know what if anyone has a problem with it I'm a I'm prepared to just go off and like I just didn't want to hold my kids to that standard and I didn't want like, I didn't want the girls in my youth group to grow up with the shame that I grew up with. And I didn't want the guys in my youth group to believe that they could just uh, talk about what women were wearing like that. I didn't want them to have that power either. And to recognize yes. that, yeah, I'm your youth pastor. I'm super hot. And <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You're going to just have to learn how to deal with being around powerful, hot women without causing lust upon yourself because i'm not the one causing it you're causing it dummy 
<laughs> also, I feel like the way our kids never saw us in that light, right? We were just like the adults that have to like parent them or like, shut up, shut your freaking mouth, please, for two seconds. Um, but we also never had like, like you said, we didn't have really rules of engagement. We didn't. There were no rules. <laughs> it was just like, you know, hey, can you not do that right now, please, for the love of God. And then once I came onto the scene, we did like have a rule where you couldn't really listen to like cursy explicit music you listen to whatever you wanted we tried to like stop them from swearing at church this was more not even really my rule it was more that i didn't want to get in trouble if someone from the church heard the kids swearing or heard music with swear words but i let them listen to music with swear words in the car because i knew that they would listen to it anyways so i was like uh well shouldn't they know that i they shouldn't feel shamed for liking the music that they like um so i went ahead and i just let them listen to whatever they want in the car but i was very straightforward of we don't listen to this at church though guys remember (laughs) and the way i framed um having them not swear at church was i framed it under like this is a practice of self-control and being conscious of the language that we use and by practicing it for two hours once a week that is good self-control practice and it was good for me too I had to practice my own self-control by not swearing at youth group and being you know more conscious of my words and actions at church and yeah I think that that was I I feel pretty proud of like framing it in that way so that they didn't feel shamed so uh first I just this is a random thought that came to mind but uh, Becca is extremely qualified for youth ministry because when we were in college, we were our senior small group and uh, she didn't put dress codes on her youth group kids, but she had a dress code for our group that every week we would dress in a different crazy outfit. And if that doesn't scream youth pastor, like I'm telling you, one time we showed up to class all wearing Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> we sat in the back corner of the class. So we snuck into the back and the professor like mid sense was like, wow, y'all are bright today. <laughs> like, don't look at us. Are you kidding me? And all the other small groups are like, oh, you guys like really love each other. That looks so fun. And we're like, yeah, we do love each other. Screw you <laughs> guys. Yeah, I have, I have two thoughts on that. First of all, I'm so pro matching with your friends any day, anytime. <laughs> I I will forever be that. My second comment is um, you can take the girl out of youth ministry, but you can't take the youth <laughs> ministry out of the girl. And there's so many times in my everyday life where I say or do something and like either people will say, wow, yeah, you did major in youth ministry. <laughs> and then, I, or I just make the joke. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to be a youth pastor for three years. So <laughs> like anytime my roommates and I have game nights, like the way I, like I go into this other mode when I start explaining a game to them, I'm like, okay, so the game is categories, the way you're going to play. I've seen and it, I just I've like, I do it every, like just in natural life. And it is a great thing. And I love it about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Also, the comment you made earlier about the, you're like, can I get really cheesy for a second? Becca has also used that because right before we graduated, like our last small group, she definitely was like, listen, like trying to hide her emotions. I was like, I got to get really cheesy for a second. But like, I think Jesus like brought us together for a reason. And all of us were like, oh, Becca, God, all of us, mind you, all of us were ministry majors, literally everybody. Like that was the point of these small groups. And she's out here like, in her feelings with Jesus and we're like get out of here kid (laughs) well and like my friends and I'm like in a group text with three of my close friends 
and we like assign roles to each person and my role is um secretary slash chaplain um <laughs> because I plan out like oh, I'm like okay guys we have to schedule this event that we're gonna do together and all the details and we're gonna do matching shirts when we go to Omaha and like I just coordinate those types of things and also like we'll have like emotional zoom calls together and I'll be like all right on our agenda first up what do you guys think is your favorite quality about God? (laughs) (laughs) And like, it's like, it always starts off really cheesy, but it turns into good conversations. But like, it's just the youth pastor in me that like feels comfortable being that role, even among friends. What fucking nerds dude? Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You just don't feel included right now. So you need to attack us. Yeah, because I'm just an aggressive little girl who does not in touch with their feelings. I'm like a that. youth pastor and I'm proud. <laughs> but I okay. get yeah, I'm not cheesy, man. I um uh, I like Jesus. That's all I'm gonna say. You know, that's it. End of conversation. So, so what do you think the what do you think first of all, I don't even know, would you one, the first question, it's a two-part question. One, do you see yourself back in a ministry role, whether youth ministry or some other kind of ministry? Number two, what does that transition look like? post the experience you've had a couple years out of it like what does that take form or how does that take form great question Spencer first and foremost yes (laughs) (laughs) I would love to be back in youth ministry um what it looks like like right now I'm working I'm working 50 hours a week um at two between two jobs both customer service um which I love. I love customer service so much. (laughs) Like that's another weird thing about me. I just genuinely love to work with customers. Um, but (laughs) you you wouldn't say that after some time at Disney, let me tell you. (laughs) I guarantee I would. I, cause I worked at a trampoline park. I, I mean, (laughs) but, uh, I just love to complain about them and it's just brings me joy to complain about annoying customers. Um, okay. Then yeah, you would like Disney a lot. (laughs) I love when like, this is a sidebar, but I love when like a customer says something annoying or like they say like, Oh, I'm never coming back here again. I love to say, Oh yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. You have a great rest of your day. And that feeling just brings me like so much power to like (laughs) say to a customer. (laughs) Um, anyways, back to topic. Um, I, what I've kind of decided is that I, as much as I want to go back into youth ministry, I do not want to go back into it full time. Um, maybe like, I mean, sure. I'm not ever like a 100% type of person. I always accept that there's like a percent of chance that I don't know about myself. Um, but as of right now, I would ideally want something where I'm doing, uh, customer service in addition to a part-time youth ministry role. Um, and I would look for a church in which that is the expectation where I'm not expected to do as much because I would only be part-time. Um, and I would just, I just know that that would allow me to actually be the person that I need to be for the students because I wouldn't feel like a, a higher expectation. Like I feel like it'd be an expectation where I could actually meet. Um, and that's not like downselling myself. That's um, talking trash on how high of the expectation <laughs> churches have on pastors. Um, and I would just, yeah, I think I would be, um, more upfront with my viewpoints and beliefs, um, through the hiring process than I think I would have been in the past. Um, cause I just don't want to ever feel like I'm not allowed to be my full self in a role in ministry. And 
I wouldn't want to feel like my, the way I choose to live my life is any way, um, a problem for the church that I work for. So I think my standard is higher now and my expectations are lower now. Um, (laughs) if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. So that would be what I would want to do. And I would, of course, like either if, if I, I guess if, if I had kids, I would probably only do a part-time job in ministry. Um, but if before that in my life, I would definitely work also in customer service. Ideally, I would love to work at a hotel. It's been a dream of mine, but <laughs> haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> so I, I guess the, like the way I see that of just, just from my own experience of how do you get like a part-time ministry job? You either want, you either work at like a bigger church where they have associate like youth ministers where you're not in charge. Maybe you just see oversee like middle school girls and like, you know, you run some small groups and that's what you do. And then you show up on Wednesday nights or the other thing of a smaller church. Like I imagine like a church, like the one Josie and I go to small enough that if we, if we had a youth group startup, like you would only need to be there like 10 or 12 hours a week. And then you could just peace out and do whatever the heck you wanted with the rest of your time. Yeah. The other thing I could also see myself doing is if a church ever needed an interim youth pastor. Um, I, I would be amazing at that role. Cause I'm very a professional adapt- interim youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very adaptable. Um, and I also don't like committing to things. <laughs> Dude, imagine just traveling around the country being an interim youth pastor. Dude, I'm born for that. So if there's any churches out there looking for someone of that uh, capacity, that's me. <laughs> the hard part is oh though, gosh. is you're the interim youth pastor and then they love you so much and they ask you to stay and you're like, no. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I got to go be the independent woman I am. And then I just walk off and I shake my ass. <laughs> and then they don't want you back. <laughs> I crack open a beer on my way out the sanctuary. Later, bitches. <laughs> off to bigger and better churches. <laughs> oh my gosh, Becca. It has been the biggest treat to talk to you about the shit show that is youth groups. Um, we just had an episode recently about youth group lock-ins, which is a which was a riot love a good i here's here's a a tip to churches don't call them lock-ins this is what you call them you call them the youth group sleepover if you call it the sleepover the kids will go to sleep Mm -hmm. if you call it the all-nighter or the lock-in they're like party all night yes you call it the sleepover you stay out really late like two in the morning and then you say you know what 3 a.m bedtime all right everybody go to sleep we'll wake up we'll do breakfast in the morning and then it works. Mm-hmm. It works so much better. Did uh, three of them in my time at that church. And the first time was when I was an intern and they called it all nighter and it did not go great. But the two times <laughs> they called it sleepover. Amazing. Sleep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't mention that in the podcast. Obviously I remember a lot about our youth group sleepovers. Becca, before you go, uh, we need some so the the lock-in episode is like was going to be a starter to like this series of weird like youth group things and obviously we just did purity culture so we need some topics what other weird youth group things should we expose give us some ideas while you're here oh oh i'm gonna have i wish i wasn't prepared for this question (laughs) um I mean, you could talk about, you could definitely talk about weird youth group games that you've had to play. Um, yes. yes. There's that. Um, you could talk about youth group room aesthetics. Um, that is a good one. That is so good. <laughs> we fought a lot about that in my day. 
Dude, our youth room looked like freaking trash. And then I graduated and they gave it a whole makeover. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> uh, you could talk about, oh, I had another one. I, well, I'm, I'm trying to think about already yet. Um, <laughs> I mean, we I just think, put you on the spot. You don't have to continue to give us more ideas. Okay. Yeah, you can get back to us, but that's a good one. The youth room aesthetic is, I think it's that's deeper. A good than one. Pe- it's deeper than people realize, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, our our youth group had like a wave and because it was called the Cove because Covenant Church or whatever, so it had like wave aesthetics. But none of us were particularly um, beachy. <laughs> our kids also, had not also, gone to the beach. <laughs> I was like, that church is nowhere near the beach. <laughs> it was a it was a weird aesthetic. Yeah, um, I will say one of the best things about being a youth pastor is that I'm really good at foosball. Yeah. So what about what about ping pong? Uh, I'm, I'm okay at ping pong, but I, I'm more, we did have a ping pong table, uh, but I would just love to play foosball. Um, yeah. So the youth group games, youth group room aesthetic, um, and I, I will, I'll get back to you on any other fun ideas that come to mind. Nice. Oh, youth group fundraisers. (laughs) Oh God. That's a good one. Oh, I have a story. Yeah. That's a good one. (laughs) Well, Becca, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell uh, the crowd how they can find you if they want, if you want them to find you. Honestly, the best place to follow me on is Twitter at Behoog, B-H-O-O-G. Um, and if you really want to follow me on Instagram at Becca Hoog, uh, sorry, Becca underscore Hoog, B-E-K-A-H underscore H-O-O-G. Um, my last name is pronounced Hoogorf, just in case One more you want to know. Becca Hoogorf. Hoogorf. Hooger worth it is phonetic. Um, how about just hoog? <laughs> Be hoogs. Well, uh, well, thanks, friends, for joining us once again on our ridiculous podcast. Uh, <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at Speaking in Church. Uh, no podcast or nothing, just Speaking in Church. You can find us on Twitter at Speaking Church. Uh, our email is Speaking in Church at gmail.com. Spencer, how can they find you? Spencer, are you still there? Well, you can find Spencer uh, on Instagram at S Spencer Rose, one R S P E N C E R O S E, no two R's. You can find me on Instagram at Josie Takes the World, and you can find us on Twitter too if you really want to. But I'll let you figure that out from previous episodes. You gotta listen for those. Thanks, friends, for joining us. We love you. Bye. Stay woke or get woke. Thank you. Bye. Jesus loves you. Bye.